Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990, where we'll help you focus on your financial future. I am Keith Quinn. My partner, Jim Shoemaker, is out of pocket this morning, but I'm joined by Mac Jenkins. Mac, good morning and welcome to 2015, sir. Absolutely, Keith. Good morning. Mac, we've uh, you know we've got a great show coming up today. We're going to be talking with David Land from Advantage Capital Management. David's going to talk uh, you know to us a little bit about what's been going on in the economy. You know we've obviously seen some ups and downs in 2014. Not really here domestically. The U.S. stock market's done great. We're going to get David's opinion on that, uh, and then ask him you know what they're looking for as far as looking out to 2015. Yeah, not only the year in review, but kind of a outlook of 2015 as well, Keith. It really is. And, you know, we've seen a lot that's happened this year. I mean, everything from uh, the Russians with uh, President Putin annexing the Crimea to the rise of the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria, uh, the Republican sweep of the midterm elections, just a historic sweep, a really good year for women. Janet Yellen is the first uh, female president of the Federal Reserve. And again, uh, lots of uh, gains for women in the midterm elections. And then there was a point, uh, Mac, this year where we even thought it was important that Ole Miss, be, uh, Ole Miss beat Alabama. Absolutely. Do you that remember was when a, that, that was, was? That was a really big day in the SEC, especially for Ole Miss fans. Especially for Ole Miss fans. And of course, yesterday we had the first... Uh, football, college football playoffs. What did you think of that, Mac? The the college playoffs I thought were great. <laughs> uh, unless you're a, you're an SEC fan or an ACC fan, they did not turn out uh, the way you had hoped. Well, it's not the not the way we would have picked it, right? So the first, the number one, and the number two teams are now out, and so we're going to be looking at uh, Oregon, Ohio State uh, playing not this Monday, but the next coming Monday for the national championship. Yeah, I think that's gonna that's gonna draw a lot of attention. Probably the first time in quite a while that you don't have an SEC representation there. Uh, so give the uh, give the rest of the uh, college sports world a chance to participate. It is, and I really like that. So no one would have picked Ohio State to be in that championship game, but by gosh, they played their way in, and that's the way you ought to be able to do it. Absolutely. I think it's going to be good for college football. Now, Mac, we look at a lot of numbers here, and one number I wanted to bring up before we go to a break, and again, we're going to be coming back with David Land from Advantage Capital Management. Uh, you know, we were thinking about, you know, how people feel, and we always think about that at this time of year. You know, how are we feeling about the economy? How are we feeling about how things are going? Uh, but we'd seen a very interesting statistic about how people feel since 2008. We talked a lot about 2008. Of course, a lot of people lost quite a bit of money in their retirement accounts. Of course, that was a, a loss that was on paper until you were forced to make a, a sell or a trade decision. But, Mac, what was that that we'd seen about how people feel since 2008? Yeah, Keith, it was interesting. I, I, read, a, I read the article. 45% of Americans surveyed in September of this past year do not believe that in their lifetime that their financial situation will rebound prior to 2008, which I thought was extremely interesting since if you look at, again, by the numbers, the market has rebounded. The market has rebounded. The S&P 500, uh, you know, through the summer was up about 220%. It's right around there now since 2008. That's just an amazing number that half the people think that they still won't get back to their pre-2008 levels of wealth uh, in their lifetimes. 
And that just shows, you know, there uh, people are, it's a very emotional decision. When you look at the numbers, certainly we recovered, but we can understand how people feel like that. Absolutely. It's, it's a, a more of an emotional thought process than, than going by the numbers and going out into the market and looking at the actual returns that the markets produce. So it's a pure emotional thought process would be the only realistic expectation that I could have after reading that article. That really is. And that's one of the things that we always stress is, you know, focus on the planning, focus on the disciplined aspects of that. Don't get caught up in the emotions because the emotions can be a little bit misleading. I want to welcome all our listeners again to 2015 to our new show uh, this year. We've got a lot of great stuff for you this year. and We've got a great show for you today. We are having a new partner as far as providing us with updates on the market. That's now going to be covered by CNBC as opposed to Market Watch, which we'd had all of last year. So let's take a break, see what's going on around town with traffic and weather and what is happening in New York with a CNBC market update. Stick around. We'll be right back with David Land. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at hkemp at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money. Of course, we're on uh, AM 990 every Friday morning from 8 to 9. I am Keith Quinn here with Mac Jenkins. Mac, we're going to have David Land join us on the show. In fact, we've got David on the line. Let's just go ahead and introduce him. Uh, David, good morning and welcome. Good morning. How you doing? We're doing great, sir. Of course, David is a chartered financial analyst, vice president, and portfolio manager with Advantis Capital Management. David's a frequent guest on the show. Uh, David, we thank you for taking the time and welcome to the new year, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too and all the listeners. Thank you very much. David, let's start with looking at where we've been. You know, we're, we've just uh, wrapped up 2014. Uh, why don't you just give us an overview of kind of what we've seen and has gone on in the economy and the stock market over the last year? Well, uh, 2014, I think, was a pretty good year. GDP came in very strong. The latest revisions to third quarter GDP shows that some of the strongest growth we've had in a number of years. Uh, and with that, we've been able to add jobs. And jobs are good for everybody. It's uh, nice to see the unemployment rate fall, which it did. Uh, jobs have been created, and consumers are spending again. So all those are very good, and that translates into the stock market had a pretty good year. And home prices, which are important for a lot of folks, were up uh, year on year. So, you know, I think 2014 has to go on the books is, is a very positive year for the economy and for the consumer. Now, David, that GDP number, when it came in, you know, the third revision to the third quarter number, the final revision coming in at 5%, uh, and a lot of that driven by, it seemed to be driven by uh, personal consumption, consumer spending. So how important is that, that we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing that, uh, uh, you know, that real pickup in consumer spending, and how does that impact, you know, corporate profits? You know, in our opinion, that is the been the missing piece to get us from, you, you know, kind of a slow growth economy to a more normal economy is the arrival of the U.S. consumer. And we think that that has to do with jobs being created and the unemployment rate falling uh, and people feeling more comfortable 
and their job prospects and home prices going up also makes them feel good. Mortgage rates fell. Uh, so it's all very good news. So we think that, as you hit on it, the, the getting GDP growth from a slower rate to a faster rate, having the consumer show up and have the confidence to spend uh, was a critical part. Well, now, David, one of the things that we uh, talk about sometimes, you know, that we, we have some concerns about as far as, you know, everything that the Fed has done with the Fed policy, you know, with the uh, the quantitative easing programs over the last several years, is we've talked a lot about inflation. Did we really have any inflation in 2014? And is that something that we need to be concerned about as we look out into the next year? Uh, inflation was very well behaved, well within uh, the Fed's looking for like 2% inflation, and we're slightly below that. And, and I think what most people can look at to, to really get a feel for that is think about the gas pump and think about what you're paying now per gallon of gas than what you paid at the beginning of the year. The oil price is falling, has been very good, uh, and inflation's well maintained. And in our opinion, and it's only our opinion, we think inflation's likely to remain in a very narrow range uh, even into 2015. Uh, if we're wrong, it's going to probably be on the wage side where you know, all this job growth and falling unemployment could lead to wage pressures. Uh, and if we're wrong, we think that's where we might be wrong. But we honestly see 2015 inflation will remain within the Fed's target. Well, that's good. And I know we were uh, speaking about it earlier, Mac. Those gas prices, you know, they're they're kind of unbelievable. It's a little bit of a shock at the pump going the other way when you pull up now and try and fill up. Yeah, absolutely. We filled up uh, over the past weekend 181 here in Memphis. So that's uh, we looked it up. Looked it up since 2008. That's been the lowest uh, national price of, of gas under $2. The last time was in November of 08. So gas prices are down. David, just a, a quick question there. Uh, gas prices likely to stay low, or will the price of oil begin to creep back up in 2015? Boy, I got to tell you, don't all the experts were wrong. They felt that oil prices were likely to remain high. Right. So I, I don't know if anybody can really forecast the price of oil or the price of gasoline, but I think what we can all take away from this is that there's enough oil in the world to keep uh, costs down if it's not if OPEC isn't administering prices or if there's not some sort of administered pricing. Uh, I think oil prices can stay relatively contained. As it as it relates to consumer spending, it's certainly nice for the consumer when when gas is under two dollars. That's giving versus the four eleven. Uh, which was the the high, so it's given you know consumers you know that extra money to spend on other things. So I, I think th- they're going to spend it. It's just a matter of what they spend it on. Absolutely, I think I've even seen one number that said uh, for every penny drop in gas prices, it was about a billion dollars in consumers' pockets and extra money that they can go out and spend. So you know we certainly love to see that. And as David was saying, you know that goes into that GDP number and that goes to corporate profits. And boy, is that a good story? Absolutely. David, uh, one question. We talked about the, the U.S. market a little bit. Let me uh, let me kind of switch gears and, and talk about the, the European market. Is there any light at the end of that European tunnel? You know, Europe is, is facing a number of problems. Uh, demographics, they, they don't have enough young people who are working. Uh, they need structural reforms and how they do business. I don't think there's too many companies looking to headquarter in Central Europe. So uh, until they get the structural problems resolved and, and the demographics move a little bit, uh, I think they, they're going to have a harder time than the rest of the world. Uh, certainly they're going to have a, likely to have a harder time uh, than the U.S. in terms of GDP growth, employment growth. Um, so I, I think it's going to be challenging for them. doesn't mean that there's not good values 
Uh, I'm, I'm not giving an opinion on the European stock market. I'm just talking about GDP growth. Uh, there could be companies, there could be sectors within the European economy that outperform. But, but I just think overall, relative to U.S. growth, it's going to be a little more challenging environment. Now, David, you made a very good point that I really want our listeners to understand. When you were talking about the differences between looking at the European economy and then looking at European companies, and I think a lot of times that we would, you know, think of those as the as the being the same. If the economy's under pressure, then there can't be any good European companies. Explain to our listeners why that's uh, not always the case. Well, even even within, so companies operate within a global environment. So there could be a European company that has a, a competitive advantage over most other competitors in the globe um, in whatever their market niche is. doesn't mean that because the European economy is suffering, doesn't mean that they can't sell abroad to the U.S., they can't sell abroad to China, doesn't mean that they can't be in a growing market. It could be, I don't know, pick, pick whatever sector you like. Maybe there's a European technology company, and they're going to benefit uh, from the growth in technology spending. So there could be companies that are positioned even within a slower-growing Europe that could benefit from other competitive advantages that that company has. Did that make sense? No, it totally did. And I think, you know, and that's one of the things that we think about when we think about, uh, you know, investing as investors. Uh, and, you know, and traditionally in the past, Mac, you know, we've looked at an international company and we would say, yes, we want to, you know, we want to invest outside the United States. There's some great companies internationally, uh, but we would kind of look at where the company's domiciled. So we would think of a company that's in Germany as a European company. And I think David's uh, exactly right. You know, so many companies now have these global revenue streams that it's really important will not look uh, just where the company is domiciled. Of course, that's important with the rules they have to deal with, uh, you know, any political risk or anything like that. Of course, we've seen that in Russia and the emerging markets uh, with everything that's going on there. You know, that's something that we would call geopolitical risk with what Putin has done in the Crimea, which has resulted in sanctions, which has hurt the Russian economy. Uh, but that we really need to look at, you know, where these companies are getting their revenue. Just because a company is in Europe, uh, you wouldn't necessarily think that that would be a bad place to invest. They may be getting a lot of their revenue from domestic here in the United States. So just keeping that global focus, I think, is incredibly important as we move forward and as we think about, you know, how to how we invest. Absolutely, Keith. I think the big thing, going back to what David was talking about it, and your statements as well, it's really going to be uh, dependent upon the actual companies. And I, I think that's one of the reasons we rely so heavily on professional money managers to help us get returns. So even though a, a, a segment or a, a country is not doing well, there are still really good companies within within each of those countries and we can take advantage of that from a from a consumer standpoint Absolutely. Now, David, I want to circle back and ask you one thing. Uh, when we were talking about the U.S. economy, how we've done in, in uh, 2014, and I wanted to specifically ask you about the housing market. You know, we've seen a little bit of the, uh, you know, the prices have kind of eased up a little bit here over the last several months, uh, not quite uh, as high as we were. Some of the demand, when you look at the, the housing start, some of the things like that, I would say it's okay to, to call those some softer numbers towards the end of the year. How has the housing market done in 2014, and how do you guys see that kind of playing out in the next year? Yeah, I, you hit all the key themes. Um, it, 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 you know, the pace of growth and prices is slowing. And that's probably a good thing because it helped. If, if we were to continue growing as fast as we were on home prices, uh, there would become an affordability issue for most consumers. So, so home prices can't grow 10% or, or anything much above the rate of inflation on a long-term basis. So, so we think it's a good thing that uh, prices are slowing. Mortgage rates are affordable, 
but what we have to do is, if you look at home ownership rates, it, it's it's back down to levels not seen basically since the 1990s. Same for mortgage originations. So we we, we need to get more people uh, perhaps out of rents into home ownership. And if you look at the rate of rent growth, which has you know been pretty high, uh, I think most renters would like to shift into home ownership and maybe. If underwriting standards loosen up a little bit, we can get some renters into into homes. Gotcha, and that's a great point, Mac. And I think you know, uh, you know, thinking about those home prices not inflating, and of course, you know, one of the things David mentioned earlier was talking about inflation was that uh, growth in wages. So if you don't have that same growth in wages, and you do have the home prices growing faster than that, just makes sense that it's going to be pricing people out of the market. And, uh, and again, that's where you get the the more of the renters, and that's not always a good thing. Absolutely, no. I, I think by and large, most people, if they can, want to want to own versus rent. So it, it helps when those prices ease up and it allows people certainly from a wage standpoint to catch back up where they can if they want to and and they choose that option to go in and actually buy the house versus the renting proposition absolutely if you're just joining us i'm keith quinn here with mac jenkins we are speaking with david land david is a chartered financial analyst vice president and portfolio manager with advantage capital management we are going to take a quick break to go to charles osgood for the osgood file but stick around we will be right back with david to talk a little bit more about energy about a strong dollar and what you can expect in 2015 so stick around The Osgood File. This is Charles. Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money. Of course, we're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I am Keith Quinn here with Mac Jenkins, and we are speaking with David Land. David is a chartered financial analyst, vice president and portfolio manager with Advantage Capital Management. David, we were talking a little bit about you know what has happened in the U.S. Uh, over the last year, uh, some of the things that we can start to think about as far as next year. You know, We talked a little bit about housing, the stock market, inflation, uh, Europe. One more thing I wanted to uh, I wanted you to explain to our listeners, David, is now that we have gotten past quantitative easing, so the Fed has wrapped up the latest tapering buyback program. Uh, what can we expect going forward as far as monetary policy? And I also want you to kind of segue into that and explain to our listeners what a strong dollar means and why a strong dollar could be both good and bad. Okay. Well, let's take a look at this. Uh, you're right. The Fed has stopped their quantitative easing, and Keith, I believe you mentioned. Um, quite a few shows ago, and I think you're absolutely right, that it's a good thing that the Fed can stop uh, these extraordinary measures like quantitative easing because that means that our GDP growth uh, and employment are picking up. So let's not lose sight that it's a good thing. Absolutely. Uh, Rates may go up a little bit. Uh, You know, the Fed may raise rates on the front end of the curve, meaning, you know, the short end. Right. It's called five years and then those rates may move up a little bit. But as we've mentioned earlier, we think inflation is going to be uh, contained in our opinion, so modest inflation. So we think that limits the amount of movement you'll have on the front end of the curve and how much the Fed's going to raise. Now, David, when you say that, let me stop you. When you say the front end of the curve, you know, that uh, I immediately know what you're talking about. And I know Mac and I are thinking of charts and how they look. But explain to our listeners what that means and what the Fed actually controls as far as interest rates. Sure. The, the Fed basically sets the rates that uh, banks lend to each other overnight or the so-called Fed funds rate. So it's it's all very short term, right? So it, it's basically that very front part, and then if they keep raising it, people it can affect 
parts of the curve a little bit longer out. So the yield curve, as you get longer out with maturities, they should move up as well, but the Fed doesn't necessarily directly control those. Thank you, Keith. That's exactly right. It's less sensitive. But it's certainly on that front end of the curve, you know, that one year and end part of the curve is, is where you'll have perhaps the biggest impact. Gotcha. Uh, so so that, that that's good news because, once again, the economy is growing strong enough that we don't have to be on these extraordinary measures. And that's most people are going to be happier with having a job and having a stronger economy than they are going to have 0% interest rates. Now, how that affects the stronger dollar, uh, capital always money globally seeks its highest and best use. Right. So when you have the U.S. economy growing strong and you have uh, short-term rates going up, that means that uh, dollars from around the world can come back to the U.S. and and get higher rates of return, perhaps, uh, in U.S. holdings than they can in other holdings. So that's why the stronger dollars may happen. It's good because that means we're growing and things are great. Uh, But as you mentioned, when you sell abroad, if your U.S. company is selling to Europe or selling to Asia and you have a stronger dollar, it does make your cost of goods a little more expensive to the consumer who's buying in those countries. Gotcha. But now it also makes the cost of European goods when they're selling exports cheaper so that would kind of help Europe, wouldn't it? Yes, sir. That's cur- You got it exactly right, Keith. Stronger dollar uh, makes it uh, easier for U.S. consumers to buy uh, goods from Europe and Asia, and that should help them uh, stabilize their economy a little bit more. And that's Perhaps not a bad right. thing, Matt, because they could use a little help. Absolutely. Again, <laughs> we, talk, we talked earlier about the, their struggle, so any, uh, anything we can do to, from, a, from a buying of, of their goods and services, that would certainly help them because, again— that's just going to help from an investing standpoint. Those companies get stronger and stronger. And we're all, you know, we all benefit from a global economy and global growth. So that's a good thing. David, how does energy play into that strong dollars? Anything that's happening in Dakota and the Dakotas got anything to do with this? Um, potentially, but I, I'm not, Keith, I'm not really clear on that. Uh, it could. Uh, certainly most oil is traded in the world is denominated in the U.S. dollar. So if, you know, oil prices, trade in dollars, that the dollar appreciates, it's possible that foreign competition uh, can be happier with a lower dollar price because the dollar is appreciating relative to their local currency. Absolutely. And, and Mac, you know, we've talked about that a lot, you know, and and part of the reason that we see the uh, lower oil prices, you know, a little bit of of, uh, the story has been some slower demand out of the emerging markets. And, and, you know, when we talk about slower demand, uh, you know, we think about China growing at 7 percent, 7, 7.5 percent, and us growing at, you know, 5 in the last quarter. Uh, So slower demand for them is still really good growth. Uh, But then, you know, the uh, uh, supply issues with having more supply coming out of the Dakotas uh, with fracking, and we've talked a lot about that on the show, and, you know, us potentially being energy independent in the United States by 2020 is kind of a big story. And, you know, having that energy component helps us reduce the deficit a little bit. So, you know, that's ultimately uh, ultimately going to be a good thing. Uh, and, David, you know, I think one of the things that we've talked about, one of the concerns that we have uh, with cheaper energy, lower oil prices, is the potentially uh, destabilizing nature of it from a geopolitical standpoint as far as this puts quite a bit of pressure on Russia, quite a bit of pressure on Iran uh, with those lower oil prices because they need those oil prices to be a little bit higher to balance their budgets. So as we say that, David, let's kind of switch gears and think about what you guys see for 2015. What is the good news? What are any potential headwinds we may be facing, uh, you know, both here and abroad when we think about this global nature of investing? Uh, the good news is the U.S. economy is doing 
as well as it's done in a number of years. And we don't see anything uh, on the horizon that could that's likely to upset that. So in our opinion, 2015 looks pretty strong for the U.S. economy, the U.S. consumer. Things look pretty good here. Uh, the headwinds could be uh, China's growth seems to be slowing down, uh, and, and that could be a drag on, on global growth. Right. Uh, you've mentioned Europe, and I think you've done an excellent job of articulating uh, the issues around lower oil and what risks that poses to Middle Eastern governments and Russia. So that's a wild card. And then the third wild card I would throw in there is, you know, while we think the Fed is going to raise rates and we think it's going to be well tolerated by the financial markets, it's always possible when the Fed is raising interest rates that the reaction you get from the financial markets is uncertain. So it could be worse than we expect. So that's a wild card. But we we think, honestly, as we look right now, we think 2015 looks pretty good. And about the stronger dollar. If you were planning a European vacation, the best way to think about it is now's a great time to go. I think that's a great point. Now is a great time to pack up the family, Mac, and uh, go do the uh, the uh, European vacation. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh... <laughs> you know what, Keith? I'm here in Minnesota, so I'm looking out the window, and I'm thinking you're absolutely right. So when we hang up... <laughs> <laughs> David, I think you should definitely, you know, there's some places in Europe that are worth visiting. I'd say uh, Italy's probably got a little bit better a uh, little bit better climate happening right now than you guys are happen- having in Minnesota. Keith, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> well, Mac, that's really good news, you know, when we're starting to think about the U.S. Now, David, how, how much should we worry about Europe? I know it's, you know, it's been in the news. Now we've seen some, you know, problems coming out of Greece and that they couldn't elect a president because they couldn't get the, the proper support in the parliament. So they're potentially going to have to have some elections coming up here in January. And, you know, that goes back to the, the bailout that they've gotten from the European Union. And will Greece fall out of the Eurozone? You know, this, the same story that we were talking about several years ago. Is that something our listeners should be worried about when they're thinking about investing? Uh, you know, I, I if you're a long-term investor, I wouldn't let it really uh, affect my outlook all that much. Um, you know, remember, I think your time horizon should be planning for your retirement, and, and if that's out long enough, I, I wouldn't let these these vacillations in Europe bother me all that much. I, I think they're interesting to watch. Uh, I think you need to pay attention to them. But would I let that derail my long-term asset allocation decision that I've come up with? Uh, probably not, no. I like that. I like that focus, David, where it's on the long term versus the short term. And in any short term run, uh, these these things that are occurring in Europe and, and possible that, that we have going on can be a big deal. But I think overall, from a long term perspective, certainly from a from a retirement perspective, I think you're absolutely correct that we need to stay the course with long term investing and not allow these these short term vacillations affect us. And, you know, from that standpoint. Well, now, David, we're going to we're going to put you on the spot a little bit and give you the opportunity to uh, tell us how the U.S. stock market is going to do in 2015. You want to make any predictions about where we'll end up next year as far as uh, levels on the S and P? Keith, I, I apologize. I've never done that in my professional career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I wouldn't encourage you to. I was just trying to, you know, get you to get out there on a limb a little bit. You know, that's oh. one of the things that, that known and unknowable. But, David, I did want you to uh, comment on this a little bit. When we were looking at interest rates, uh, and I kind of, of course, asked that, you know, tongue-in-cheek, Mac. None of us know where the stock sure, market's going to go. But when we look at interest rates today, I don't think there is a single one of us sitting here last year that would have said interest rates would be this low now. David, do you kind of agree with that? Oh, Keith, I think that's absolutely right. And, and I think that's 
you know, the experts would not have thought that you would have had the GDP growth we had, right. unemployment fall, and rates fall. It, it, that's why I don't forecast it. It's just tough. And that gets back to, you know, make your asset allocation decision that makes sense for you and then just kind of stay with that because nobody – you're absolutely right, Keith. I don't think very many people thought rates would fall this year. Right, right, exactly. Well, David, thank you so much. We really appreciate the insight, and thank you for taking the time this morning, and I hope that you guys don't freeze out up there in Minnesota. <laughs> it's always possible, Keith. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a David. lot, David. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Mac, that was some great information uh, and really positive outlook on on the future on 2015. I like that. Absolutely, a lot of lot of good things going on. I, I like the the thought process of don't allow the short term uh, things that are happening affect long term decisions. But you know you have to be aware of of those things that are going on. You can't just we're not here in the U.S. We can't stick our head in the sand. We have to be aware but not afraid. Aware but not afraid, not sticking our head in the sand. That is a great way to look at it. We want to understand all these things, but again, we want to invest with a disciplined strategy that focuses on our long-term goals, focuses on the long-term nature of the markets, because ultimately there's a couple of things that are going to happen. Stocks are going to outperform bonds, bonds are going to outperform cash, and we're going to have some level of inflation. Absolutely. It, it, it's never changed it it continually goes by that cycle. We don't know when those things are going to happen, so we have to stay in the market. We have to stay invested for the long term. And that's the key. If my crystal ball worked, we'd play this a little bit differently. But since it doesn't and never has, I think we will keep focused on the long term. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Mac Jenkins. We are going to be coming back with Terry Rogers. We're going to be talking about some financial planning, New Year's resolutions. But let's take a quick break. Go to Rebecca Brazier for a Mid-South History Moment. Stick around. We will be right back. September 26, 1933, all the members of the John Dillinger gang escaped from prison in Michigan City, Indiana, in the early morning hours. What is not well known is that the FBI arrested notorious Memphis gangster and bootlegger George Machine Gun Kelly that same morning, on the order of J. Edgar Hoover. Kelly had kidnapped Oklahoma City tycoon Charles Urschel and had been on the run for over 50 days before the FBI caught up with him in Memphis. Kelly surrendered to the FBI and Memphis police without a fight. The trials that follow were significant because they were the first kidnapping trials in the United States after kidnapping was made a federal offense. They also marked the first time that defendants were moved by airplane, and it was the first major crime solved by the FBI. George Kelly and his wife were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. George spent 17 years in Alcatraz before being transferred to Leavenworth. He died three years later of a heart attack on his 59th birthday. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money. Of course, we're on Talk Money on AM 990 every Friday morning from 8 to 9. I am Keith Quinn here with Mac Jenkins. Mac, we've got a great guest coming up. Uh, I'm excited to get to this segment. Terry Rogers is a financial advisor in our office. Terry, good morning and welcome, sir. Good morning. Good Thank morning, you. Terry. Good Happy morning. New Year, Terry. Happy New Year. And I know we're all uh, we're all feverishly buying our tickets for the European vacation. That was such a great idea. I think we all <laughs> want to take advantage of that. Absolutely. 
Yeah, let's make it happen, man. Let's make it happen. But let's think about some things, Terry, that we need to think about. Of course, this is the second day of January, the second day and first full work day and market day of 2015. What are some financial resolutions we should be thinking about for this coming year, Terry? Okay, uh, I'll I'll get right into it. I'll I'll share uh, seven. from Seven, okay. Yeah, that's that's a great number. Uh, uh, Bible considered... It considers the the number of completion. I mean, it's a perfect number. Uh, I like to reference that number a lot. And I'll pull this from my own personal goal sheet for the year. So I don't want I don't want this to be like I'm preaching to the choir. I'm, I'm so in the choir. This is something that you're doing. We're doing this together. I mean, I'm in the choir with you. We're all we're, we're listening to the message first and foremost. And this is more of a mindset. Um, no regrets. No regrets. You know, it's 2014 is done. We use a lot of sports analogies. Uh, Mac, I know we talk about sports a lot. We just mentioned a big game here. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Oregon-Florida uh, game. Right. You know, it's it was fun to watch it first. Then it got a little painful uh, for one side. But it's about staying in the game. I mean, we can't go back. A good coach will say, move forward. That was the last play. That was the last season. Let's move ahead. Uh, I think uh, sometimes we get caught up and we regret too long that mind space that negative mind space keeps you from getting to the next play i think that's a great yeah. point because i think florida state once they got those fumbles and turnovers in their head they right. never recovered from that they couldn't let it go right and but the other guy is still going he's still right. going the other guy the other this guy here is another year 2015 it's here now we can do about it it's already day two okay so we, we, let's put 2014 behind, put behind us. You. let's focus on the future yeah okay. that's that's the resolution let's move forward uh number two Set goals, set firm goals. Many times we start off a year, uh, we, we, we have fun, we use analogies, uh, we use the cliches, we post stuff on our social media pages, but what is your actual goal? Set a real goal. Now, when you say a real goal, Terry, so I'm assuming you mean something that you can, number one, Mac, we talk about this a lot, a goal that's measurable, a goal that's specific, something that you can tell if you've actually accomplished it? Absolutely. I think one of the big things, too, Terry and Keith, is, is to keep it simple. Right. I mean, let's not get, let's not get I love the, kiss principle. The, the, the big goals out there. You know, you read statistics where 90% of all New Year's resolutions are broken within the first two weeks of January. So, oh, I didn't know it was within the first yeah, two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, the, I think oh, yeah. the, the majority of us need to keep it simple. Keep it simple. Uh, we meet, I mean, from a financial standpoint, uh, just to stick with that a theme, uh, meet a lot of people with accounts. You know, I mean, a lot of people come to your office. You, you, we talk. We do the snapshot. Uh, we get to know them. We have an account. We right. don't even know what that account is for. What is it earmarked for? Why did you open this account? Exactly. You know what was what was the long term goal for this account? And I think sometimes we have to be specific in terms of knowing what the goal is and why. I think that's a great point, Terry, because, Mac, you know, when someone comes in and if they have a rollover retirement account, your goal for that account should never be to earn 5%, to earn 6%. It's to fund your retirement. It's to buy a boat. It's to buy a vacation home. It's to put your grandchildren through college. You know, have that goal in mind because that really helps you get that emotional connection to what you're trying to accomplish, and then you can be disciplined about how you have to get there. Absolutely. I think the big thing is to focus on what the money's for, not just the number of, of how much you want it to make. So focus on, on the long term of what that money's for. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go to number three. Put it in writing. So having this goal is not good enough if you don't write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Uh, you know, this, the firm that I work for, Shumaker Financial, uh, uh, is it's adamant about that. I mean, even as advisors, <laughs> we have our goals. As, we, as reps, well, you know, our managers train us well in terms of, 
you know, putting it right and reminding yourself every day. I mean, that 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 visual, um, it, it helps. I'll remind some people and um, introduce this concept to some. Uh, Harvard, they did a study in Harvard, the class of 1979. They took, um, I guess, some graduates. Right. They had 84%. Unsurprisingly, 84% didn't have solid goals set. Uh, okay, they had another 13% that had goals, but they were not written. And they had 3% that had goals that were written. Ten years later, they come back, check with these people. Of course, the 84%, not really, you know, not really solid results. Right. Of course, they were doing great. But this 13% that had goals made twice as much money as the other 84%. Now, the interesting point is the 3% that had goals and they were written and then wrote it made down. 10 times as much money as the whole 97%. Wow. Uh, and this is Harvard. You know, this, this is one of the globe's best colleges. I mean, producing leaders all the time. And I thought that was inter- interesting to see that. Um, like right. I said, so people know about it, but a lot of people don't. Write it down. I mean, you can't, you can't uh, beat that concept. Terry, I think I, that's so important, Mac, about being intentional about that. Go ahead. I, I, mean, I think the other thing, Terry, and, and also, in a, you know, after you write it down, I think you need to share it with somebody. Okay. Now, that's a great one, too. Yeah, so so especially with the stakeholders. I mean, people write goals. You're writing goals for your family. You're writing goals for for a corporation or a company. You need to share it with the stakeholders. Those those people who are also involved with what happens and, and the consequence of you not making it, but also the consequences of you making it. How does it affect them? It also provides a level of accountability. A, a goal, an unwritten goal, an unshared goal is probably not really a goal. And I believe we had, uh, maybe it was David Geller that spoke to us last year, but someone, actually that may not have been who it was, but had this idea of having an envelope with a blank sheet of paper and writing down you know, what your vision for the end of the year was and putting that in the envelope and sealing it up, but putting two envelopes and putting one of those with that and putting it in an envelope and sealing it up and giving it to somebody else with the idea that you'll open them together at the end of the year and see how you've done towards uh, hitting that vision. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great strategy. You, you write your goals down, you seal them up, you open it on December the 31st and see how you've done yeah i mean and the accountability part is is, is great too I, I managed the management at the company definitely does a great job at uh you know pushing that on you i mean it's it's, it's something that you have to keep in mind well my it's a, wife it knows about my goals absolutely as much as i do and she will remind me Keith, <laughs> constantly what they are because it, it comes down to everyone succeeding so i'm all about that that's 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 great. So what is next? We are going to put 2014 behind us. Yeah. We're going to set firm goals and we're going to write them down. Then what's the next step? Educate yourself. Um, can never have enough education. Uh, we're students. We're students of whatever we uh, choose to do. I mean, it's in this line of work. I'm a student. Um, no matter what your profession is, be a student. Always educate yourself. Um, in my industry, we are, you know, legally. Uh, obligated to take continued education, uh, updates, uh, reg ed. I don't know what other industries industries do, but I'm sure they all, they have something similar. Now, always educate yourself. You know, stay on top of your game. Uh, you know, be a student of it. The fundamentals of finance never changes. You, you guys mentioned that earlier. You know, buy low, sell high. 
cycles. That stuff never changes, but just be uh, you know, be on top of the game. Well, I think that's a great one, and Mac. You know, we talk about that, and that's even one of the uh, you know habits of highly successful people. You know, sharpening that saw, and we have a lot of that in our industry. And Terry's right; the fundamentals don't change, uh, but boy, do the uh, the products, the uh, the potential solutions are changing all the time. And it does take a lot of, of lo- a lot of work and a lot of study, and that's uh, true with a lot of professions. Absolutely, I think one of the easiest ways is just to read. Be a reader. Be a reader. Yeah. Uh, whatever you do, that there's always time to do that. Or with all the with all the apps on our cell phones and everything. That's else, right. That's if exactly. You're, if you're right. not a reader, be a listener. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of different ways that you can gain uh, insight and knowledge. But yeah. Terry, I think you're absolutely correct. Every one of us has a responsibility to continue to increase our knowledge and to continue to to up our education in in these matters yeah Mac, i mean tax laws change i mean you know, Cong- congress changes things uh and and be careful not to spend too much time on these uh financial shows because if you were if you're careful to watch some of the some of the shows will show the credit reading for entertainment purposes only that's exactly uh, right you know they're, they're not licensed advisors they're not experienced you know investment directors i mean these these guys will tell you in the credits if you watch for entertainment purposes only, and I don't know if you want that guy to always lead your financial world. Terry, that is a great point. You know, we want to think about investing as disciplined investors. We do not want to get caught up uh, in these news shows because they are entertainment. In fact, I would encourage anyone, watch that as entertainment. Don't watch it as investment advice. Uh, let's take a quick break, see what's going on with traffic weather. Check out the Market Watch with CNBC, how the stock market is doing in New York. And we will be right back with the last three of seven tips for New Year's resolutions. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Thank you for joining us here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Mac Jenkins. We are speaking with Terry Rogers. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you every Friday morning from 8 to 9 by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan. It's about the results. Terry, we were talking about New Year's resolutions. We have said put 2014 behind us, set firm goals, put it in writing, Sharpen the saw. Educate yourself on whatever it is that you're doing. What is our next tip for financial resolutions for 2015? Get right into number five. Slow down. Slow down. Yeah. You know, you, you hear the old saying, time flies, and it, it goes even faster when you get older. Well, guess what? My 11-year-old son told me that it seems like time is moving fast to him, too. I think <laughs> we're just in – I mean, so I don't know if it's an age thing. Um, he was talking about how fast Christmas came and went. That surprised me because I thought it was an age thing. He's on, he was only 10 at the time. Right. It's, I think everyone experiencing just this fast-paced, you know, I can't keep up concept. Uh, but we have to slow that down. I would say, I, I, yeah. boy, would I echo that one. And Mac, I almost say more than slow down. It's unplug. You know, yeah. I have to get away from phones and internet and television and this right. constant, you know, just being pounded with information overload. Uh, I think that's important sometimes. Absolutely. With, the, with today's 
cell phones and, and iPhones and smart pads and everything else, you just can't unplug. That's I right. mean, it, it's going by, it's 24-7, it's constant. So I, I agree with you, Terry. Yeah. I think you certainly have to you have to slow down. You, you have, have to. to slow down, take some time away. It's a mental thing. It, it just seems that way. A minute is no longer than it was a thousand years ago. A day is no longer or shorter than it was a thousand years ago. We just make it longer because we have so much going on. Social media pulls away work. Uh, but take the time to, you know, look at what's more important. Visit family. I plan to see family that I hadn't seen in years this year. That's uh, a great one. Social media does not do it. You have to go see people. I have some great aunts that I owe a visit to, um, and I'm going to share information with them. I mean, this information that you get, you know, share with family. Share with people you haven't seen in a while in person. Take them out to lunch. Uh, yeah, Facebook, FaceTime, this is not the same as sitting down across the table from right. somebody. Yeah, get back to it. Slow down and, and, and appreciate uh, what's more important. All right, Terry, what's our sixth tip? Uh, number six, annual or periodic reviews. You know, make that a part of your life. If you're doing it already, great. If not, uh, take advantage of any situation that allows you to come together with a professional, your advisor, your attorney, of course, your doctors. Uh, you know, meet with people on a periodic basis. Um in my profession, we have to meet with people in person once a year, every quarter, depending on the relationship. You know, take advantage of those meetings. Uh, update. You know, find out where you stand. Do we need to make changes? You will be surprised at how many people that we meet that have not met with their advisors in several years. That is amazing. And, you know, Mac, if you've, you've set these goals, and a lot of times, you know, we're thinking about goals that are, you know, 30, 40 years out into the future, especially when we're thinking about retirement. And you do need to periodically pull back. Look where you are as far as how you're progressing towards accomplishing that goal. Do you need to make any changes? When we think about financial planning, do you need to alter your asset allocation? Has something changed in your life that would require you to change what you're doing to try and hit that goal? Absolutely. I, I think, guys, one of the one of the things that we need to look at, and, and annual goals are, are great. I certainly like to have shorter-term goals because the uh, illusion of an annual goal, you have the illusion that you have a lot of time. Yeah. You know, and, and that – that allows all of us to procrastinate and not not do things we should be doing. So I, I think periodic reviews are the way to go. If you set a goal, maybe it's a goal to save X number of dollars. You need to you need to look at it. Say say March the thirty first and see where you're at. Are you a fourth of the way there? So yeah. that's right. Now Terry, we're running out of time. So give us that seventh tip. And I know it's something that you do at your house. Yep, seven uh, every year we start off the year with uh, thirty one days of Proverbs. Uh, we get into the book. We we. Use that wisdom. I mean, go to the book. Go go to a source. Um, I'll, I'll quote one verse I like: Proverbs thirteen eleven. Uh, no get rich get rich quick schemes, and the long term plan works. That's in the Bible. It goes right into what Keith talks about all the time: finding a good plan, sticking with it. Uh, find a good source. I recommend the Bible, but hey, find your deal. I think those are great tips. Don't have any regrets about 2014. Set firm goals. Put it in writing. Educate yourself about what you're doing. Slow down. Unplug. Take time to think about your friends and your family. Do periodic reviews and go to the source. And it's a pretty good source, Mac. Absolutely. Uh, nothing uh, Nothing you can say about that. I think the, the 31 days of Proverbs are Keith and Terry would be a great deal to go through. Terry, thank you so much for coming thank in and sharing that with our listeners. And I hope you got something out of that. I would also like to thank David Land for his great insights.
Lawrence on 2014 and what we can expect in 2015. Art Frederick, our program director. Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator. Eleanor Moskovitz and Katie Brashear, who do a phenomenal job as our production assistants. Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments. And Rebecca Brazier, who reads them. I'm Keith Quinn. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.